Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to disrupt your industry without disrupting your flow? The Levy Evening MBA program at Santa Clara University could be the perfect fit. The Levy School of Business is where you'll reach new heights without compromising your current career. You'll meet your part-time MBA cohort two evenings per week on Levy's campus in the very heart of Silicon Valley, where innovation and creativity thrive. Join Silicon Valley's premier part-time MBA program for working professionals. Search Levy Evening MBA to discover more. Folane Skincare was born from one-on-one consultations with thousands of people seeking to make the switch to clean beauty. The result? High-performance, indulgent, uncompromisingly clean products that work as amazing as they feel. Their commitment to providing clean, safe products far exceeds industry norms. Folane Skincare is proudly EWG verified, the highest standard for ingredient safety and transparency, cruelty-free, leaping bunny certified, synthetic fragrance-free, and dermatologist tested. Head to folane.com and use the code PIVOT10 for 10% off the best of clean beauty. Welcome to She Pivots. I'm your host, Emily Tish sussman I had left my decade-long political career in D.C. after having my first two kids during the Trump presidency and felt burnt out. After having my third child... 
spending a year in lockdown with my family and another tough and exhausting election, I began to find solace in the stories of women who had made these big career decisions and then found success and happiness in their change. I began to realize that so many women had pivoted due to personal reasons, and they still found success through non-traditional paths. This new show celebrates these stories, and I'm so excited to bring them to you with She Pivots. She was on track to become one of the youngest black female editor-in-chiefs in history when she decided to leave it all behind due to burnout. At just 25, Ty Beauchamp left behind her booming career in fashion publishing to pursue things that fed her mind and spirit. She turned her burnout into one of her many pivots. Now, over 20 years later, she divides her attention between Thai Life Media and Brown Girl Jane. So what exactly led to Ty's burnout and how did she turn it into the biggest pivot of her life? So just to set the stage, what is your name and what do you do? My name is Ty Beauchamp, and what do I do? Um, I do a lot of things. I think first and foremost, I try and empower and inspire women. Um, and in terms of titles, I'm one of the co-founders of Brown Girl Jane, founder of Thai Life Media. I'm a host. I'm a producer. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's actually not the preferred way that you like to be introduced or introduce yourself to people. You like to ask people. Who are you? Yeah. So Ty, the, you see, I was really you? uncomfortable when you asked me. I was like, what do I do? Yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's, it's, you know, we live in a society where, you know, we're constantly asked what we do. And we are now about to enter, you know, what uh, social scientists and anthropologists are deeming the next global epidemic of loneliness. And I think that's because we don't connect humanly as humans and ask who you are and really how is your spirit how is your heart you know where are you in your body and in your and so I don't know it just it just makes sense to me <laughs> it makes sense to me and I also think I'm a person who is intentional about wanting to see people and so it feels right but I think I've always felt something within me that felt different so I, I think I always just had this thing, that thing of wanting to understand people, wanting to connect with people in, in a genuine way. I don't know. I'm just very curious about who we are, um, especially as we evolve and especially as becoming more seasoned women myself. Um, I'm just really curious to understand who people are and want them to feel like their best selves. Like, how do we inspire, empower them and equip people? Like, because people need tangible things um, to be their best selves. To really understand who Ty is and the catalyst for her pivot, we have to go back to when Ty was just out of college, coming off an internship at Good Housekeeping. My first job out of college when I was 22 was at Oprah Magazine. So I started in magazine publishing actually while I was in college because I had I was able to intern quite a bit. So I started in pu publishing when I was 20 years old. So was that, was publishing the goal? Was the goal to be the, the yes. fashion editor-in-chief? yes. yes. Yes, that was definitely the goal then. When I started, you know, at in, in publishing, I definitely thought I was on pace to become an editor-in-chief, and, and I thought I would probably have that job for the rest of my life while doing some other things. I always thought entrepreneurially, so I always thought about creating, but I saw that as, like, that, that's it. That's the pinnacle. 
and Ty had a solid foundation. She had previously worked at magazines like The Oprah Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, and more. This gave her the experience she needed to truly launch into her dream career and become that editor she had always imagined. At the time, I had become the beauty director at Seventeen Magazine, um, and I was 25 years old, and I was the first African-American and youngest in history or in recent history at that time to have this title. So by all accounts, outward looking in, you know, I'm this, you know, young, vibrant girl about town, living my sex in the city life, my best life, um, and had this incredible job with incredible access and with (laughs) incredible excess also, quite frankly, at the time. And I remember going into these spaces and having great conversations with some people and being with others who were just like caught up in their own personal matrix and no judgment now because I'm on a different side, you know, and, and just feeling like, you know, how do I juxtapose this to the life that I was born into as, you know, a, a, a child born to young parents um, in Newark, New Jersey? How do I juxtapose this to the fact that my parents, my mom and my stepdad are educators in Newark, New Jersey, and I'm living this incredible life of excess, but also knowing that my parents have kids at our house often and like, what does that look like? And so I started to really ask myself, like the title that people see isn't really like what I'm feeling on my innermost self. I, you know, started my career as a magazine editor and had the amazing fortune of working on incredible titles like, oh, The Oprah Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, Good Housekeeping, where my mentor at the time was um, editor-in-chief and went on to work for Seventeen and Vibe Vixen and In Style. So I've had this incredible... But I, I think I started to question a lot and have some of these deeper questions in a more um, intimate way and in mindful way for myself when I was realizing that I was being defined by the title that was assigned to me for my job and didn't always feel like I had alignment within my spirit self and my consciousness of how I reconciled that title in the public world. I feel like for myself, when I was at 25, 26, you know, for for many, I think, young women of our generation like us, we were so career focused that getting to the dream job for me, I didn't get there, by the way, until I was like 35. And then I lost it because I had three kids in three years and couldn't do it. But, you know, getting to that dream job at 25 seems so incredible that I think I would have done anything to keep it. And I would have contorted myself to be able to do it because it was a different mindset. And now we talk about, we talk about burnout. We talk about self-care. We talk about mental health. We didn't talk about it then. Mm. So how did you come to that realization in that moment that it just... You were at the height, but it just wasn't for you. The burnout. Burnout. Not just a figure of speech anymore. It's actually been declared a legitimate medical diagnosis by the World Health Organization. It is officially defined as a syndrome syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. Burnout is when the treadmill keeps going, but the dopamine runs out. So you just keep running, even though it doesn't feel good anymore. I mean, and I talked about it being burnout. It was burnout for me. I It was burnout and then trying to reconcile what was happening as a result of the burnout. Because here, here's the thing. Burnout is both mental, spiritual, emotional, and it can also obviously manifest itself physically, right? And so as I was experiencing this burnout, I was emotionally drained. I was intellectually drained, right, because I was working. And I was emotionally drained. Like, and then the spiritual, like, the spiritual side of me was just like, this is not it. 
this is not it. And there were pieces of me that wanted to contort and say, I'm going to make this happen by any means necessary. And then when the burnout touched my spirit in such a way where I felt like it wasn't going to be um, to my greater good. And then also I had this real kind of crazy moment. Because I was... Yeah, a, was there one moment? Yeah, this, there was this one really crazy moment. So, it, I mean, I was a beauty editor. So, you know, it's like a journalist, obviously, because you have journalistic integrity, but you're you're also playing with makeup and talking to people about science. And I, it was fun work, you know, going on photo shoots. It was fun work. It was not supposed to be crazy. It was not supposed to be that. Between all of the brands and product samples, Ty began to realize that her ability to impact someone's life might lie beyond 17. During her tenure, she had the idea to put real girls, the influencers of their day, next to their models and actresses and learned an unlikely lesson with one of those women. My idea for the beauty pages and what our then editor-in-chief did is that we put real girls on the pages next to models, actresses, and all the above. So... Anyway, the real girl, a real girl was in, and her name was Caroline O. Caroline O. She was a student at FIT. If you're listening, Caroline, hit me up uh, because I would love to reconnect with you. Um, but she came into my, to my office and she said I changed her life by sending her to the dermatologist. And I thought to myself, and again, juxtaposing that with the fact that my parents as educators had kids at our house all the time. And I'm thinking, what could I do to change these kids' lives? If I could do that for Caroline, you know, what else could I do substantively? And then I started to think, like, I've done and had these quote-unquote achievements professionally, but it's so far removed from actually having the type of, you know, grassroots connected impact that I wanted. And my spirit spoke to me, and I was like, I'm out. And, you know, it was hard. It was a very difficult decision because I know that there were a lot of people at Hearst believing in me and really investing in me as they had all of my career. But I knew that my emotional well-being, my mental well-being, my physical well-being, especially my spiritual well-being was at stake. And so I was out. Well, being the first black beauty editor, I imagine that means that you probably didn't have a lot of peers. Do you think that contributed to the burnout? I had a couple of peers, not very many. Tia Williams, who's an incredible writer and author. Um, Tasha Turner, who also is a journalist. Mickey Taylor, who was more seasoned. There were just a few of us. But we didn't talk honestly about these things because you, you didn't speak about it because you were just glad to be in the room, number one. I was acutely aware that though I was in the room, the room was not necessarily built or intended for me. I was not white. I was not blonde. I was not the daughter or the niece of someone who had an affiliation to the company. There was no nepotism. So when I entered these spaces, I held back parts of me that I thought wouldn't fit. And though conflicted in doing so, I had learned to compartmentalize. And so we're constantly trying to teach ourselves to be humbled and grateful for the experience, but sometimes to the detriment of what our truth is. So we didn't we didn't have those conversations. I mean, we talked about like the latest Manolos, but we, we certainly were not having those conversations at the time. You bring up a really good point that it is possible to have burnout in something you love. For sure. I, I mean... Absolutely. I, I Well, and I think that that just goes back to what I am so grateful for today, you know, one with the work that I do with Brown Girl Jane and the work that I do with Morning Mindset and just it is OK to to feel, you know, and I think we're living in a time where there is a new global consciousness of what wellness looks like. 
a celebration of individuality around it. Um, so absolutely, you can have burnout in something that you love. And sometimes that's just another part of you saying to you, look at me, restore me, you know, support me. And so if you're experiencing it intellectually, what is your creative side saying to you? If you're experiencing it emotionally, what is your spirit side saying to you? And so I think, yeah, you it, they're not mutually exclusive at all. I definitely felt that when I stepped back from my political career because of having three kids so close in age that it, I loved it. I thrived off of it. It was my identity. I felt like I was doing good work that that helped people's lives. And so I think it made it harder for me to accept that I was burnt out from it mm. and that I wasn't able to continue doing the work at the level I wanted to do. It would actually I had to rethink the whole thing. I couldn't I, I couldn't keep doing it. And so it's still hard for me to not be to not have that same mindset that I had because when I stepped back from the political career, I didn't know what a next step could look like. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like you knew where you wanted to go when you stepped back from the editor job? Not at all. Um, and I, I, I actually, and thank you for sharing and for being so transparent about that because I think so many of us do wrestle with knowing that it's time to go somewhere but not knowing exactly how to get where we want to go. Now, again, remember, what I did know that I wanted to do is that there was this spiritual side and what ultimately equated for me philanthropic work that... I wanted to do. So I knew somewhat of the direction I wanted to go into. So I spoke with my mentor and I ended up becoming a consultant to his family foundation where I did very different work, starting a program in Newark, New Jersey and developing partnerships with organizations like Prudential and others and what have you in order to um, support high school kids on uh, their job readiness journey. At any rate, you know, doing that was a step in the right direction, but I didn't. I did not st plan to start a business. I did not plan to become a consultant outside of that. I only thought I was going to do it for one year. But what I was open to, and this is what I think is really critical about pivoting, when we talk about the idea of pivoting to go from one thing that can seem super drastic or different to another, is get to that pivot. And if you're not certain about it, lean into that very heavily and ask, like, what is being taught to you there? Like, what other sides of you have you not tapped into that you really want to tap into more? And how can you bridge the gap then between what you were doing historically? I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think oftentimes we become paralyzed because we're so concerned with what the next move looks like. And we're also comparing it to what the previous move looked like. I remember very consciously saying, I'm going from this, you know, tower of an office to uh, a, a little cubicle in this comprehensive high school. I had to lose my attachment to that identity. We talked about it at the beginning, like this title. So all of that exercise really ultimately led me here, right? Ultimately knowing that I wanted to create and build something as I did with the job readiness training program or the magazines to impact and elevate women and for them to feel spiritually, emotionally, professionally well and healthy. And so look, it's, it's, it's working. <laughs> well, I think that's part what's so interesting about this moment that we're in culturally right now. That the things that tied you down now feel like it's all kind of blown up. But there might be incredible things that come out once you free yourself from what had been holding you before to explore those sides. Did you feel like you were able to tap into the thing that you were reaching for in that moment when, with that first job that you took after the magazines? Or did it was it did it come after that? No, I think I, I tapped into it. Like, very, very quickly, um, 
you know, I, I've always, like I said, my, my family are all educators, and so I've always loved school and education and teaching and the idea of teaching and learning. And I was given some license and some leeway in my new role to carve out what that meant for me. And so that tapped into what I had done historically because I've always worked on launches or relaunches, and so it was always about building. And then um, I got a call to come back into being editor-in-chief for Vibe Vixen magazine, and I was able to, when I went in to talk about this role, connect immediately that I wanted it to have this less of a hierarchical kind of like dissemination of information in this groundswell. And this was in 2006 or 2007. And that's how that magazine then was rebirthed, you know, with this consciousness of connection to community while also being this editorial inspiring platform. Do you think that was the beginning of working philanthropy into the different businesses that you've had? And where did you go from the editor-in-chief of Vibe Vixen? Yes, to answer your first question, um, I do think that it was definitely a catalyst for a lot of things, a philanthropic role. I was only in corporate really for five years of my career. I definitely know that it was like an entry point for me because it helped me to tap into what I knew about building creative spaces as an editor and and working on these launches and relaunches. It also taught me business because I was working with my mentor, Ray Chambers. So I worked directly with him for eight years. So I was able to learn business as well with him. And then I was able to apply that when I was always consulting with the Family Foundation. And so even when I became an editor, I went, that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial thing. I said to the magazine, I can come in three days a week. And I continued my consulting work with the with the foundation in, in New York so that way I could stay connected to the young people in order to inform the content that we were den- then designing at the magazine. And so when the magazine folded, I continued to consult. And I continued to consult with, that, with the foundation, but then I also took on additional clients and, you know, P&Gs and what have you uh, around brand narrative and brand storytelling. And then that is what jump-started my television career because as I was doing a lot of this brand consulting work with beauty, entertainment, media, and fashion brands, um, Procter & Gamble invited me to become a spokesperson for them. So then I became more visual. But I was always producing the content behind the scenes too, which a lot of people didn't realize. And Love both of them. Yeah, so it definitely was a gateway for me. It helped me to understand that, you know, business doesn't have to be this space that is, you know, unhealthy and toxic and unkind um, and not fair. And so those are all principles and values that I carry with me now as, you know, founder of Morning Mindset and Thai Life Media and co-founder of Brown Girl Jane. It's, it's you can do well and do good. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Ready to disrupt your industry without disrupting your flow? The Levy Evening MBA program at Santa Clara University could be the perfect fit. The Levy School of Business is where you'll reach new heights without compromising your current career. You'll meet your part-time MBA cohort two evenings per week on Levy's campus in the very heart of Silicon Valley, where innovation and creativity thrive. Join Silicon Valley's premier part-time MBA program for working professionals. Search Levy Evening MBA to discover more. Her philosophy on do good and do well is evident in her work with Thai Life Media. 
I had just met Ty when she created Ty Life Media, and I remember being so impressed. Here was this woman who had already done a hundred different things, now creating new opportunities for herself and for others. Ty Life Media is a uh, multi-brand agency focused on helping to tell stories and help brands to uh, be energized around community and telling those stories. As a part of Thai Life Media, this whole new venture has just started to take off called Morning Mindset with Thai. It's a daily motivational, inspirational pro- productivity conversation I like to have every single morning on IG at 6.15 a.m. PST. Um, and we also have uh, an experience. Uh, so we have the Morning Mindset with Thai Hike and Experience. And that right now is a monthly series that is taking place here in L.A., but also traveling now and partnering with organizations and corporations to help galvanize women around mindset. Good morning. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to Morning Mindset with Ty. This is where we come together and we set our hearts, our intentions on uh, being great for the day. And then thirdly, um, I have Brown Girl Jane, um, and I'm a co-founder of Brown Girl Jane. um, And I am chief brand officer at Brown Girl Jane. And Brown Girl Jane is a vegan beauty and wellness brand uh, that is there to elevate your mood and uh, create anti-stress solutions for your everyday. And we were founded by myself and my co-founders, Malika and Nia Jones, who are biological sisters. We're all Spelman sisters. Um, And we are here to change the face of wellness. How did you connect with them and decide to launch this brand together? So Malika and I went to college together. Her sister Nia also went to Spelman College, but not at the same time. So I knew Malika. Um, We were reconnected, actually, through another Spelman sister um, who Malika and Nia had started to plan out this idea for this brand. And they were like, you know, we really do want another co-founder. And Malika and I got together. We had a couple meetings. We talked a little bit. I was actually at this crossroads. Um, This was before COVID, right before COVID started, um, we had started having conversations about six months before. um, And I was really in this place of transition. I was between New York and LA at the time. I was producing and hosting a travel show. So I was traveling like crazy. And I was like, I really wanted to put my teeth into something. I really wanted to sink my teeth and see like what we could do to build something new, but something tangible. See, the other thing about my other businesses is that it's either a service-oriented business or it's a brand individual-oriented business, so it requires me uh, physically. And I've always just been really curious since my beauty editor days about products. I've always envisioned going into uh, product and probably multiple times. First and foremost, we share values. We share enthusiasm for celebrating and honoring black women. We saw a mutual white, the, between us, a mutual white space where, you know, wellness solutions for women as a whole may be talked about. For black and brown women, the conversation around wellness just isn't there. I was also experiencing this. So timing was all there. And I was also very intentional about wanting partnership in my next venture. Um, I've been a solopreneur for, you know, at that point, 13 years. Now it's, no, 14. 14 years, 16 years now. And I was, you know, exhausted of doing it on my own. You know, um, I'm still not married yet. And so being a single woman, unmarried single woman, I just, you know, had started to think about like partnership all the way around. And so I was really excited to partner with them. Um, Yeah. But so you did launch the business just as COVID was hitting. 
literally staying at a girlfriend's house on her couch when COVID hit. Because I had moved my stuff out of my place here in L.A. I had gone back to New York because I was shooting a travel show. And I ended up in New York for like seven weeks. And then I wasn't sure whether I was coming back to L.A. to move or just coming back for work. So it was, it was crazy. And all this time, Malika, Nia, and I are having conversations about like, you know, when I'm coming on in the timeline. I just really knew that there was so much alignment around, uh, you know, what we could do. And wanting to start a product was always something. And just partnership is just key, you know. And I, for me, I realized that having partnership in life and in work is a good thing, you know. And you can still be badass at the same time. I think, you know, we have to also be intentional about how we navigate and manage the narrative around us having to do it all and celebrating that all the time. You know, you can still be a feminist and woman, womanist and still want support. And so partnership, I think, is really key for me at this juncture and understanding that for myself. Ty's intent to focus on partnership expanded beyond her business and her relationships as she began to think about freezing her eggs. She was in her mid-30s and, like so many women, had focused on her career so much that she hadn't spent too much time thinking about it. So just like with Thai Life Media, she knew that if she wanted something, she'd have to create it for herself. I will tell you, up until that point, I didn't think about it hardly ever. And that's what I want, you know, and hope younger women, women will ascertain from me sharing so much, is, you know, I waited until I was... 33 to actually be like, oh, yeah, I'll freeze my eggs. And then even after I froze my eggs, I was like, oh, I froze my eggs. I froze my eggs. Um, And, you know, it wasn't really until recently where I am at a place where I'm like, I, I really am ready to lean into those other aspects of my life. And I think young women having this information and knowledge from all different aspects and understandings is so healthy so that you can think about it. And I just don't know if I, when I was that age, I was thinking about a lot of things. And so I feel like I got to 35 and froze the eggs because it's like, oh yeah, this sounds like a great idea and it's insurance and I need insurance. And that's how I look at it as insurance. Um, I still haven't decided if I would ever have a family on my own or even if I'll need the eggs. I just think it's healthy that truths come out and, and, women have an option to think differently for themselves. Or and not. also great that we have options now. Yeah. That yeah. we can think about it. I mean, th- that was really, honestly, the purpose of this whole show. That yeah. <laughs> that trying to to open up the curtain of how we factor in our, per- our personal decisions into our professional narratives. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, do the personal and professional factor at the same time for you or do they kind of take turns? I am revisiting them right now in real time because I was told that professional is always taking priority. I don't want that to be the case. I'm also at a place where that's not what I desire. I want to build businesses. I want to continue to impact the world, but I want to do so um, as if I'm a 44-year-old woman who has worked her ass off and also doesn't need to work at that pace anymore and also knows, like, my genius and my ability to do operates at a higher frequency. And I want to, that's where I want to be. 
And I want to spend more time investing in the areas where I haven't invested as much. Um, and because I have partners and great team members too, shout out to my team members, that then it would take turns. But I think, you know, again, it's about the options. And I don't feel that overwhelming sense of, you know, joy in saying, I'm doing all the things anymore. Hearing you say that you want to make more space for the personal, because right now at the place that I am in my life right now with three toddlers, I worry about the kind of judgment that I get or would get if I was with people who weren't in a similarly situated position. So to hear you say that just as a professional woman, that you also want to prioritize that personal. And it makes me feel more comfortable engaging in business in that way. Do you find that with your business partners, with the people that you work with now? For sure. A lot of our team are West Coast based. So we all flew in because we launched this business during COVID. And one of our team members um, is works on our product development. And her son is with her. He came to dinner. And that's fine. I think, you know, Malika is a mother of three. I think that that's also what makes what we're building so dynamic because we have this insight and intel. I mean, you know, it's it's the real identity and real sense of what what and who we are. We want to shift narratives around what wellness looks like. If we don't have insight and data points as a brand and as a business of what that actually looks and feels like, how can we be a solution? Right. And so us having, you know, women with dynamic experiences as a beauty and wellness brand supporting women with dynamic experiences is is essential. Well, it's clearly working and connecting because even though you launched a beauty brand during covid, it took off. <laughs> yeah, it did. You had huge success. Congratulations uh, from the so beginning. You, you had big success just with the brand and also with the Brown Girl Pledge. Uh, yeah, the Brown Girl Swap was a call to action that is still very much alive. Continue it. Um, hashtag Brown Girl Swap on Instagram, where we challenged everyone to give up five of their everyday beauty and wellness brands for brands owned by black and brown women. Yeah, it's been incredible. I think, well, wellness, I think, resonates with everyone. Um, you know, even though our brand focuses and tells the narratives of centering, you know, multicultural women, all women and even men love our brand. And we love that because the conversation around wellness is never any more relevant than now and during COVID or on the heels of COVID. Um, we were voted Refinery 29's Beauty Innovator of the Year in 2020. Um, thank you, Refinery. Um, we were voted to WWD's Wellness Power Player list, uh, 50 top power players uh, along the likes of some major, major brands. So we're deeply humble. We have more than 35 plus billion in media impressions. Uh, we launched the uh, the Black Beauty and Wellness Summit, um, wanting to elevate conversations around what it means to be a black woman entrepreneur on the heels of everything that was happening uh, during the summer of 2020 um, with George Floyd. And wanting to also be a part of the solution that we know that the way that we're going to really, you know, close this racial, uh, you know, economic divide is through economic opportunity. And so when you support black women businesses, what you're in fact doing is actually building community um, and, and helping uh, society to advance. And we have a grant initiative with Shea Moisture and Unilever where we've granted 405 plus thousand dollars to 28 black women owned businesses. In that moment in 2020 when you launched it, I felt like every brand was was crawling all over, tripping all over themselves, trying to either highlight what they had done for the Black community, their Black staff, um, and a lot of promises were made. How do you feel like that looks two years later? 
I was in a I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago and this conversation came on. Performative marketing has always been there. It's always been present. Um, you know, someone who has spent 20 plus years in the media industry. Um, unfortunately, a lot of things are promised and very little happens. Any change that we're going to see, any institutionalized change that we're going to see cannot happen seasonally. It cannot, it cannot happen during certain months only. February being one of them, or, you know, it can't happen seasonally. This is an ongoing thing. And so unfortunately, you know, as someone who knows the space, um, and also as someone who runs a business that is deeply connected to community 365 days a, a year, both Brown Girl Jane and Thai Life Media, um, you know, the way that any anything is really going to happen on a consistent basis requires consistent investment, consistent awareness, um, you know, changing your hiring practices. Um, so how do I think we've measured up? I haven't done a case-by-case -case report. I think some people have done extremely well. We've seen some institutional advancements in some places and in others, perhaps a little less. When you were talking, what I started thinking about, I started thinking, yeah, what am I doing? What, how, how can I, what can I do in my own position? So I love the swap because I think it feels incredibly tangible and doable. Five seems like a good amount of products. Yep. We're all thinking about using our consumer spending, I think, more than we ever have. So being intentional in that way, I think, feels really very tangible and realistic and I think can also make a big impact. I mean, it's a huge category. Yeah, it's a massive category. I mean, U.S. and, and global, just it's, it's ridiculous. But the, the thing is that the consciousness has to be seated there and consistently watered. And I also say, like, from a philanthropic standpoint, I encourage people, like, whatever, whatever your cause is, your cause doesn't have to be the same thing as mine. Um, I do think that there, it's wonderful when there is unity and co you know collective kind of like movement and support. But whatever you know resonates with you, because when it resonates with you, that's when you'll commit. That's when it won't seem like a chore. And can you explain the philanthropic piece of of your business now? Absolutely. So we actually. Um, we haven't been public about it, but we, we've launched our Brown Girl Jane Foundation. And so we're on a mission to really um, advance the wellness of black and brown women and multicultural women here in the U.S. to start. But the, we're definitely thinking global. <laughs> but, you know, a percentage of all of our proceeds go to support organizations that either uh, work with black and brown women around health and wellness or advocacy around cannabis and the plant because our First collection, Harness the Power of CBD. We are also working on something that, that will provide more tangible resource to black and brown women in order to support their mental health and wellness. That's all I'll say. Just know some really great announcements are coming down the pike. So what is something, I asked this of all of my guests and I'm excited to hear your answer. What is something that at the time you thought felt like an insurmountable problem, but now that you look <laughs> back on it, you actually now view as maybe putting you in a positive direction. Oh. I was a caregiver to my grandmother. My grandmother fell and broke her neck in 2006, the same year I launched the business. And I was a caregiver to my grandmother along with my beautiful mom for 13 long years. Um, in a, and it was very hard. And now actually when I look back and I think about me saying that I didn't focus on my personal life. I didn't focus on my love life as much with intention, but I did have my family that I was incredibly focused on. Being a caregiver at such a young age, you know, becoming a caregiver at 28 years old um, seemed very, you know, insurmountable for a long time. But I, I think now looking back, not only did it expand 
my capacity to do a lot of things, um, but it also um, created in me a real appreciation for um, the sacrifices that my grandmother made and, um, and, you know, just rich legacy. And that is the reason why I say that that's been so important and critical for me, because that's a big driver for me. You know, I remember having the conversation with my mom because um, I was visiting my grandmother every single day at the nursing home. And I said, look, if I take this job as then the editor of Vibe Vixen, I was already consulting. If I take this job, you know, I don't know my schedule. And, you know, my grandmother would be in and out of the hospital. Um, no, I think it was, you know, and even when my grandmother passed just a couple years ago, um, I know that those transitionary seasons, like, ultimately are birthing seasons as well. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you. I feel like I've learned so I mean, is much. this it, Em? Is this, it's over? I know. It's I want to keep going. That was so good. Ty still lives in L.A. and somehow juggles her work with Ty Life Media, Morning Mindset, and Brown Girl Jane. She is a motivator, innovator, and bridge between so many women and communities. Her philanthropy has impacted the lives of thousands of women of color, and she is continuing to expand that work every day. Despite her impressive roster of pivots, I'm sure this is not the last time we'll be hearing of Ty Beauchamp and her ventures. Thanks for listening to this episode of She Pivots, where I talk with women about how their experiences and significant personal events led to their pivot and eventually their success. To learn more about Ty and her latest book, follow us on Instagram at She Pivots the Podcast. Leave a rating and comment if you enjoyed this episode to help others learn about it. A special thank you to our partner, Marie Claire, and the team that made this episode possible. Talk to you next week. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Ready to disrupt your industry without disrupting your flow? The Levy Evening MBA program at Santa Clara University could be the perfect fit. The Levy School of Business is where you'll reach new heights without compromising your current career. You'll meet your part-time MBA cohort two evenings per week on Levy's campus in the very heart of Silicon Valley, where innovation and creativity thrive. Join Silicon Valley's premier part-time MBA program for working professionals. Search Levy Evening MBA to discover more. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest 
to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.